There's a very fascinating Gemara in Mesecha Shabbos on Daftesa Mebez, which goes and spills over to Yudam and Aleph. The Gemara says like this, you have to hold cup in the Gemara first, and then uh, the question will be, I think, obvious on this, on this Gemara. Amar Abaye. Abaye says, Hani Chavrin Bavloi, our esteemed colleagues in Bavil, According to the opinion that Tfilas Arvis, that Mayrib is a Rishos, we know there's a Machlekas whether Mayrib is a Rishos or a Chayva. We know that Shachris is a Chayva, Mincha is a Chayva, that's an absolute obligation, you have to do it, and there's a Machlekas whether Mayrib also has that same status as a Chayva, but there are many that hold that it's a Rishos. So if you hold that Tfilas Arvis is a Rishos, Kivan Dishara once you have loosened your belt, you have a belt, and by dinner time you sit down and it's a little tight, and so you basically loosen it up in order that you could feel comfortable sitting and eating. As soon as you have sat down and unfastened your belt, and you're eating your Suda, and now all of a sudden the time for Mayrev comes and you're in the middle of the Suda, you're up to the second course. So, Kivan loy We don't, we're not matriach you, we don't burden you by expecting you to fasten your belt and then daven. So rather you keep it unfastened, finish your meal, and then you'll daven Mayrev. After you bench, then you'll die. You don't have to stop everything to daven Meir because you've loosened your belt already. So we don't expect it's only a Rishos. If it's a Chayva, then you would probably have to, you know, stop everything and, and do the mitzvah. But it's a Rishos. Once you've opened your belt, we don't expect you to be matriach yourself and actually retie your belt, refasten your belt. So finish your meal and then fasten your belt and then you'll daven Meir. So the Gemara on this, Rav Sheshis asks two questions on Abaye. And you have to remember the two questions, okay? That's all I'm asking you today. Just remember these two questions. He's asking, first of all, You're making it out like it's such a big deal. We're not matriach you to fasten your belt. Is it such a big deal? How, how long does it take for me to fasten my belt? It takes three seconds. Not a big deal. You didn't ask me to you know, do ten push-ups. It's not a big deal. I can fasten my belt. That's number one. That's question number one. Is it such a tircha to, fas- it's such a tircha to stop and to fasten your belt? To tie my belt? The Eid. And another question of Sheshus asks, Leku hachi v'litzlu. V'litzli. Why don't you... Stop your meal, daven myrib with your belt open. Is that such a terrible avlo that you, you know, okay, if, if it is a big deal to tie your belt, so don't tie your belt. Just stand before the Rabbani Shalom, daven shman esrei, daven myrib uh, with your belt open. It's not, it's not such a, it's such a criminal act. Two questions, okay? Again, the first question is, is it such a big deal to fasten your belt? And the second question is, that if it is a big deal, so then daven myriv uh, without fastening your belt. Those are the two kashas. And the Gemara gives a teretz. Now, the rule of thumb is that generally when a Gemara gives a teretz, it's a teretz for both questions. 
if Rav Sheish is asking two questions, then, and now the Gemara is going to give an answer, that answer should satisfy both questions. That's a rule that makes sense, right? So the, listen to what the Gemara answers to this. Mishum shenemar hikain likras elekecha Yisrael. There's a pasuk that says that you have to prepare yourself, hikain, like a lashon of hachano. You have to prepare yourself in order to greet Hashem. Before you greet Hashem, i.e. Davin, you have to properly prepare yourself. You have to, you know, be in the right frame of mind, and you have to look presentable, and you have to, you have to be ready. You have to ready yourself. You don't just jump into davening, you know, whatever position you're in. You have to, like, get up and, and, and get dressed and, and do things properly. And that, with that, the Gemara ends. So... This is an obvious kasha. This, this Gemara is very difficult to understand because that question answers very well, that answer rather, answers the second question of the Gemara. Second question of the Gemara is, why don't you stand up without fastening your belt? So don't tie your belt, leave your belt open and daven marav that way. To that, I understand the tarots. He came the crystal of Yisrael. No, you have to prepare. You don't just stand up like, you know, looking disheveled. You gotta fix yourself before you daven. That's good. But the first question of the Gemara is a little difficult to understand. What's the first question of the Gemara? Is it such a tircha to fasten your belt? That the Gemara doesn't seem to be addressing. That question about what's the big deal about fastening your belt it takes me a second to, to tie my belt. What's the big deal? Uh, no, there's a mitzvah to prepare to greet Hashem. Yeah, okay, there's a mitzvah prepared to greet. So that makes it a tircha. Oh, so I understand. Now it's a big deal. Now I understand. Now it's a big tircha for me to fasten my belt because there's a mitzvah of preparing before you go daven. How does that fit? Is it a tircha or is it not? What does the Pasuk have to do with anything? The fact that you're telling me that there's a chiyav to prepare before you daven, how does that affect whether it's a tircha for me to fasten my belt or not? Is that, is that clear, that question? This is Rebel Yashiv's question. It's not my question. It's Rebel Yashiv's question. Okay? Just in case you're getting agitated, it's not my question. It's Rebel Yashiv's question. And Rebel Yashiv gives a brilliant answer. He says that it absolutely does address that first question as well. This answer of Hikan Likrasalakhishal, that there's a mitzvah to prepare yourself before you go and daven, that is a very, very key piece of information to know in order to address the first question of the Gemara as well, that is, it's such a big deal, it's such a tircha for me to, to, to fasten my belt? The Gemara says, yes. It is a very big deal for you to fasten your belt. You know why? Because there's a mitzvah. Once something is a mitzvah, it becomes a very big deal. The Gemara asks, is it a tircha? The Gemara says, yes, it is a tircha. You know why it's a tircha? Because now we know a new fact. It's a mitzvah. Once something is a mitzvah, it becomes automatically a burden on me. It's a responsibility on me. It's an oil. Very, very hard to do something that's an oil. If it's something that I want to do, if, you're, if, it, you know, if I want to play a game of basketball and I have to fasten my belt first, it's not a big deal. Of course, I love playing basketball. I love going and doing it. I want to do it. So, of course, I'll put my sneakers on. I'll put my, my belt on. I'll put my, whatever I need to do. Just I want to play. But if you're telling me that it's hikon likras that it's a mitzvah, 
as soon as you hear it's a mitzvah, what do you get? What, what's, the, what's the instinctive reaction of a human being? Oh, yeah, it's a mitzvah. I, I can't do it. I have to fasten my belt. I'm lazy. I can't. It's too much. I can't do it. So the answer the Gemara is addressing this very question. Is it such a big deal to fasten your belt? Yes. You know why? Because there's a Pasuk that says he can lick himself. If it wasn't a Pasuk, if it was just like a nice thing to do, okay, I'm down for that. But if it's a, a Pasuk, it's a mitzvah to prepare for davening, suddenly it becomes like an overwhelming burden on me. Rabbi Yashiv proves it from our parsha. If you're wondering what this has to do with Parsha's Bay, it has a lot to do with Parsha's Bay. Because Rabbi Yashiv says as follows, let's say I told you that Hashem is giving you a mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is that out in, uh, in Lander Yard over here, and there's, there's somebody just dumped from a helicopter millions and billions of dollars of cash, of, uh, of jewels, gold, silver, you know, and I'm giving you a mitzvah. Hashem is telling you, it's a big mitzvah, guys. After the shmuz is over, I want everybody to go and collect all that money. Bring big garbage bags, bring your, your suitcase, your luggage, and just fill up as much as you can. I'll give you like a couple of hours to fill up as much as you can. Would that be a big... Uh, would, would anyone say, mm, I, I, don't, I don't really want to do that? Everybody would be dying to Everybody would maybe even leave the shmuz in the middle to do that. Kaviyachal. So what, you know... So that, that's an easy mitzvah. That's the, probably the most geshmaka mitzvah I could ever give you, right? To be rich. You, you tell a Jew that you can make billions of dollars, just go out there and... Of course, that's a no-brainer, right? Cesar Yashiv, this, this actually did happen in history when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Meshach Rabbeinu to be mitzvah Klai Yisrael, to command Klai Yisrael to go and tell Dabrinah B'nai Yisrael, go and tell, please, pretty please, go and beg B'nai Yisrael that they should go and borrow from their neighbors, from the Egyptians, Klei Kesev, Klei Zav, Smolais, go and borrow their silver, their gold, their dresses, their clothes, their silks, their sheets. Go and clean out Mitzrayim, billions, trillions of dollars worth of, worth of wealth. That's a mitzvah. I'm giving you a mitzvah to do. And I'm pleading with you to do it. And you know what the Gemara says? They did it in the end, but it was very begrudgingly. They absolutely did not want to do it. By Yashilu Mesmitzrayim, the Gemara says, they actually did end up borrowing it, but the Gemara says, one shita, by Yashilu Balkarchach the Yisrael, they didn't want to do it. It was mamish like, HaKadosh to beg, Daber na, Ein Noel Eloshim Bakosha, the Gemara in Bracha says, Please beg them uh, to, to me that for 400 years they were Avadim Mitzrayim, they had Shibud, but that I didn't keep in the Brisbane Absarim. I only gave them the work part of the Brisbane Absarim, not the payoff. They didn't actually take out Rechosh Gadol. I don't want Avram Avinu to have Tainus on me. So please beg, plead with Klai Yisrael. And they did it in the end, but they were really not down for it. It's, a, it's an incredible thing if you stop and think. It's a mitzvah to get rich. It's a mitzvah to make billions and trillions of dollars. And they punted. They said, no, we're going to take it. We don't really want to. Okay, fine. You're begging me to do it. It's, I'll, I'll do you a big favor and I'll take it. Where do you ever find such a thing, says Rabbi Yashiv? How does such a thing happen? So you're going to say, you know, I'm giving you a mitzvah to go down and take 
billions of dollars of diamonds and, and rubies and silver and gold, and you're going to say, Rabbi, you know, just let me eat my donut. Leave me alone. Like, what, what do you, you know, I don't want to do that after the schmooze. I'm busy. I, I want to go work out. I want to go shopping. I, are you going to make me rich? Come on. It's a ridiculous thing, right? So how did that happen to Klai Yisrael? Why did Klai Yisrael take a pass? Cesar Yashiv. It's an amazing bard. It's like an earth-shattering bard. Rabbi Yashiv says that it's very simple. If it's a mitzvah, I don't want to do it. I'll do it, but it's, come on, it's like a real burden. It's a, it's a tircha. It's a, as Rabbi Yashiv puts it, it's masa dvar Hashem. There's a psukim in Navi that says, a masa dvar Hashem. And he interprets it poetically to mean it's a, the dvar Hashem is a masa. The dvar Hashem is a burden. As soon as you are told that you must do something, it's like, oh my gosh. I don't mind doing things voluntarily. I don't mind volunteering. I don't mind doing things rishos. But you're telling me I have to do something. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't want to be told. I don't need the pressure. I can't take the pressure of having to know that there's a responsibility, that I'm obligated to do something. That really doesn't sit well with me. Even if it's something to make me rich, but if it's a mitzvah, I I don't want to do it. Why is that? Because the Sahara is so strong that he puts a full court press on us every time we want to do a mitzvah. Every mitzvah. Every mitzvah. We want to wake up in the morning for davening. What's the big deal? We wake up in the morning to do a lot of things, right? When we have a final, we have a MCAT, we have a, a trip to Florida, and we're going, uh, we're going away, we're going skiing. Nobody has a problem to wake up early in the morning. Everybody's setting their alarm an hour early, and, and it's geschmack. All of a sudden, to go to davening, Mm, hit your snooze button a hundred times, and like even then, what's going on? We're supposed to go to say, we're supposed to learn. Mm, yeah, you know, but I have a, this, I don't feel well, I have a headache, I, I'm going to sleep a little bit, go back to the room. And then you get to the base medrash, and there's that Gemara sitting, Talmud Bavli, and you're like, you know, you have to mamish, like the, I always say, this, the heaviest thing in the world is opening up your Gemara in the morning. Once you open it up and you get into it, it's Gishmak, but to open up the Gemara, sometimes it's the most, it's the heaviest thing in the world. Why is that? Because there's the Sahara that's sitting on top of your Gemara, and that's sitting on top of you in bed and says, don't do it. I don't want you to do this. You don't need to do it. Other people will do it. You'll do it later. You'll do it tomorrow. You're a good boy. You did it. You learned late at night. He has every answer in the book, but as soon as it's Tvar Hashem, it becomes a masa because the Yitzhahara is so powerful. Never underestimate the power of the Yitzhahara. He is so strong. It's the same Yitzhahara that fought against the Avis, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, David Amelech. Everybody faced the same. It's the same Yitzhahara. He is immortal. So don't think, oh, I'm so weak. I'm, I'm so, such a loser. I can't fight my Yitzhahara. That Yitzhahara is not a little thing. It's not a little thing. It's a huge monster. And he, he makes it so hard to do anything that's a mitzvah. As soon as this is a mitzvah, no. This is actually a Gemara, what we're saying today. Rabbi Yashiv does not bring this, I don't think. But the Gemara says, the Gemara says in, um, in Avedah Zara, Daf Gimel Amin Aleph, famous Gemara, Godol ha-mitzvah v'aisa, mimisha ena mitzvah v'aisa. If you have a choice, Let's say there's two different people in the room. One is commanded to do the mitzvah, and one is not commanded to do the mitzvah. They're doing it voluntarily. You're commanded to do the mitzvah. Let's say a husband and a wife sitting in a sukkah. 
a husband has an absolute obligation to sit in the sukkah, right? Because he's a man. It's a mitzvah, seishas, man, grama. He has to sit in the sukkah. He has no choice. His wife doesn't have it's a mitzvah, seishas, man, grama, nashim, She doesn't have to sit in the sukkah, but yet she bundles up in her winter coat and she goes out and she sits there and she serves the, you know, the food in the sukkah. And so she's doing it voluntarily. The husband is doing it as an obligation. Who would you say gets more schar? The, one, the husband or the wife? The husband who has to do it, he's obligated. He must do it. There's a gun to his head. The wife is purely voluntary. She could sit in the warm, toasty kitchen and dining room and eat there as much as she wants. She has no reason to be in the sukkah. She's being very from. She's being nice. She wants to be with her husband. She wants to, she wants to get the mitzvah, whatever it is. But it's not, she's not obligated. Who gets more schar? I would say the wife gets more schar. She's volunteering. She doesn't need this. She didn't sign up for this. But the Gemara says that the husband gets more schar. He's obligated, he gets more schar than the woman who is not mitzvah So you scratch your head and say, why? That's so counterintuitive. Why should that be? So you look at Tysus and Abed Zara there, and Tysus says, Did Dayeg o mitzvah yaser because there's something called the Yetzirah in the world, and the Yetzirah desperately wants to stop the person who is obligated. The wife he doesn't care about. She, he's not, she's not obligated. So it's, a, it's sort of like, fine, let her do it. But the husband is obligated. The husband, the Yetzirah, tries so hard to stop him from doing it. So I'm worried that I'm going to fall prey to the Yetzirah. So I have to really like work much harder against that resistance of the Yetzirah to make sure that I'm going to go out there and sit in the sukkah. The wife has no problem. Wife is easy for her to sit in the sukkah, shake the lulav and esrik, do all these things, because she's not obligated. So the Yetzirah like sort of gives her a free pass. But the Yetzirah does not want him to sit in the sukkah. Gadol so that's mamish what we're saying here. There's an Ale Shur. When I saw this Ale Shur years and years ago, I was like, it was like a light bulb moment for me because it really resonated. The the Ale Shur of Shlomovalbi asks like this: Has you ever notice how on Yantif, when it's Mansim Chaseno, right? We're supposed to be happy on Yantif. You ever notice how we're always sad on Yantif? I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but. So it's Minar of Albi alone. But there's always something that happens on Yantif that stares the Simchas Yantif. Some, always something. It might be that, you know, you're, you know, the plumbing breaks in the house right before Yantiv and like you go into Yantiv like upset. Or, you know, or somebody gets crazy in the house about this, that, or the other thing. Or there's a, there's a machlekes, or, a, you know, a, you get a bill, a big bill all of a sudden unexpectedly right before Yantiv. Whatever it is. And suddenly, you know, the whole yantiv becomes like marred in like an atzvus. It's sad. And I always wonder, like Taka, like it's not fair. Like Hashem, you want me to be happy? Let me be happy. Like why, why are you not letting it be so easy? So Revolbi says, don't be shocked because that's what the Eitzahara does. If there's a mitzvah that you should be happy, the Eitzahara says, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it challenging for him. Masa Dvar Hashem, it's going to be, I'm, I'm not going to let him just, you know, just, it's not going to be a cakewalk. He's not going to just be able to waltz into Yantim and have Biba Simcha and be happy and dance and sing and, and for everything to be naturally Gishmak. No, I'm going to make a lot of obstacles in his way, a lot of resistance, 
and maybe if he's able to pass it, then he's going to be happy. But the Yitzhahara is very formidable, and this is true with everything. Right from the beginning of Shulchan Aruch, where the Mechaber writes in Simon Aleph of Arachayim, Yiskaber Kari you have to be strong like a lion to get up in the morning to serve your Creator. And the Mishnaburah right away jumps on these words and he says that don't let, it's like Mamish talking to us, you think the Chavis Chaim wouldn't even understand this, but he says don't let, like in the winter, in the winter where it's really cold outside and the Sahara tells you don't get up from your bed, it's nice and toasty in here, you haven't had enough sleep, it's such a, you know, you're, you're, you're depriving yourself of sleep, and, you know, it's so cold out there, it's so slippery out there, you're going to get wet, you're going to get freezing, you're going to slip on the ice, you're going to get, uh, you're going to have to go through the snow, stay in bed, it's fine, it's geschmack here, don't listen to him, says the Mishnah Bura. Yiskabra Allah, v'al yishmalai, be stronger, Yiskabra Adam, Kari, be a lion, be strong. Don't let the Eight Sahara in. Don't let the Eight Sahara be so miscabra on you, you be miscabra on it. A lot of times we think that it's just me. Like, I'm the only one that has a hard time to wake up for davening. I'm the only one that has a hard time going to Seder and learning. I'm the only one that it's so hard when somebody comes and asks me for tzedakah to take out my wallet and to actually take a, a dollar bill out of out of my wallet. My father used to say there are certain people that they're very stingy and when they open their wallet, moths fly out of it because they, they, it's very hard for them to part with their money. So there's like moths in their wallet and they, you know, it's like a chiddush for you to take out, take out a dollar for an ani or a $5 bill, whatever you can afford. Why is it? Why is it so hard? I have no problem taking out that $5 bill uh, to buy uh, half a slice of pizza. But, you know, but uh, that's what pizza costs today. But, but uh, it used to be affordable. You could feed your whole family for like $15, a beautiful thing, pizza. Today, it's like you might have to mortgage your house to, you know, to, to afford a pie. But this is, uh, you know, so why is it so hard for me to give that $5? It's not a big, not a lot of money, a dollar, $5, what's a big deal? Because it's a mitzvah. As soon as something is a mitzvah, it's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Why? Why can't you do it? Because the Sahara is telling me that it's impossible. It's not impossible. It's geschmack, and people are doing it, but it's hard. We find resistance. You're not alone. It's important for you to know that you're not alone. Not when you're sleeping in bed that you should remember this vart, but now as we're, as we're trying to work on fixing this problem, you should know the first thing is to know that you're not alone. You're not a bum because you can't wake up in the morning. It means you're a human being. It means that you have a Yetzirah. It means that you're alive. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts that Yetzirah into everybody. It's in the morning when you're, going, when you're trying to wake up. It's at night when you're struggling with you know, how to go to sleep and, and, and what you could look at and what you shouldn't be looking at. It's a struggle day and night. The Sahara is constant. He's a ka'ad yayim until the day of death, at sibula basraisa, the Gemara says, until the last shovel full of dirt goes on top of us, the Sahara is very, very powerful. He doesn't stop. Like a horror movie, like every time you think the guy is dead, guess what? He's not dead. Not dead. The guy will always, guaranteed, every horror movie, you know, you think the guy was killed, you know, he chopped his head up, doesn't, doesn't matter. The guy's always going to come back with a head, without a head. He's always there. He never dies. 
And that's the Yetzirah. A person thinks, okay, now I'm in my 50s, now I could already take my victory lap. It's not true. The Yetzirah is still there when you're in your 80s, when you're in your 90s. There's a story that's told about Rebellion Lapian that he said, there's two stories that are very similar, actually. First, the first story is that he was, there was a bacher in his yeshiva in Kfar Hasidim that wanted to, he was invited to a chasna in Tel Aviv, and it was in the summer. In Tel Aviv, we know what it is, and in the summer, we really know what it is. And, uh, you know, but he wanted to go to his friend's chasna in Tel Aviv. So he went and asked Rishos from, from, from Rebellia. So Rebellia Lapian says, you know, you can't go. You know, there's pretzes there. It's Tel Aviv, the summer, you're not allowed to go. You can't, taking a bus, how are you getting there? You're taking a bus to the hall, it's in a hotel, like it's not, can't do it. So he says, no, he says, I don't have a taiva for that. So I don't, it's, not, it's not interesting to me. He says, then you should go to a doctor. Go to a doctor. Maybe there's something wrong with you. You're, you're not interested in that? Like, you're, what are you, crazy? He says, I'm 85 years old. This is Rebellion Lapian, the, the Tzadik Adar. I'm 85 years old, and I'm, I, I'm scared to death every time I have to walk into the street what I might see and what it might affect, how it might affect me. And you're a bacher, and you, you don't have that? Until the end of our life, throughout our life, you could be the biggest tzaddik in the world. It's nothing to do with religion. This is a reality. There's a Yetzirah in the world, and he's always trying to get us. And specifically when it comes to doing mitzvahs, he is all over that. He does not want us to do the mitzvah. I would rather do anything in the world sometimes than do a mitzvah. I'll give you a great example for me personally. When I go to a shiva house, all right? Go to Shiva, it's a beautiful thing. You go, you be Menachem Avel, and then what happens? It's inevitable. A guy comes over, um, we're trying to finish filling out the Mishnayis. Um, I said, all right, is, uh, is Tainus left? No, 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 that was taken first. You have Kinim, you have Kalim, or you have uh, whatever, like the hardest Mishnayis, Ahalus, or whatever. So I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Come on, you're a Mashkich and Yeshiva, you should be able to. I don't want to do it. I know it's disgusting, and I hope people will do it for me someday, but I don't want to do it. I, I can't, why, why is it such a big deal? Because I don't want the burden of having every day, oh my gosh, those mishnayis, those mishnayis, those mishnayis. It's, it's a tircha. It's very hard. I'm not proud of this. I'm not saying it, like, you know, that this is something you should aspire to be. But it's just the reality. I'm being honest. Like, it's hard to be macabre on yourself and oil. And mitzvahs are an oil. And the Yitzhahara doesn't stop reminding us. It, now, the truth is that they're not an oil. The truth is that they're not a responsibility. Mitzvah is not a commandment. That's a very poor uh, choice of words that, you know, that, that, that people always translate a mitzvah as. A mitzvah, I guess technically, tzivoy means a commandment, but it really means an opportunity. I've given a shmuzman about this before. Mitzvah is not, should not be looked at as a commandment. It's, an, it's a golden opportunity. If we would know what we're really getting from doing every mitzvah, even the smallest mitzvah, it would be, uh, it would be unbelievable. We, we have no idea. The Ramban, the famous Ramban at the end of Parshas Bay, the most famous Ramban, you have to know this Ramban at the end of Parshas Bay. Look at it. My mashkiach, when I was a bacher, used to say, every ben needs to know this Ramban by heart. It's, a, it's an absolutely fundamental Ramban, and he speaks about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and why we need so many mitzvahs, Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and he speaks about how important it is to our Amuna, um, to remind ourselves constantly that Hashem took us out of Egypt because 
it, it shows us that Hashem does nisim gedailim, and as the Ramban famously writes, nisim samim, from these great, famous public mitzvahs, a person could admit and concede that really everything is a mitzvah, everything is a nase, everything, the fact that I'm speaking right now, that we're moving right now, that we're breathing, we're seeing, we're hearing, these are all nisim, they're called nisim nistar, and we call it teva, nature, but it's not nature, it's miracle. But we learn from Yitzhak Mitzrayim, those great supernatural nisim, we learn that everything is a nase. Says Raman, you don't even have a, you can't be a, you can't claim to be a card-carrying member of Tyrus Meisha, not the yeshiva, the uh, the the of Meisha Rabbeinu Achenamin until we believe Shakal Mikreinu that everything that happens to us is kulay nisim. There's no tevam and hagashalom. It's all nisim. But the Rambam there says Hakaina mezuzah bezuz echad. If you go and you buy a mezuzah, it's a very small mitzvah mezuzah. It costs 20 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever it is, in a farm store. If you're, you're kind of mezuzah, mezuzah echad. It's like a play on words the Ramban is saying. A mezuzah, mezuzah, small amount of money. He says, you're kind of tremendous nitzchias with that. Because you're inspired to understand the Yisaitis of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But the point is that every little mitzvah that we do, putting on tzitzis, not a little mitzvah, it's a huge mitzvah, tzvillin, these are not obligations. Davening to Hashem, being learning Tyra, every word is a mitzvah. There's crazy schar that we get from this. That itself should be an inspiration enough to be able to be miskabra and ayet sahara and just to do it. The Mesos Yisham writes the, the mere fact that we're so indebted to the Rabbi Yisham. He gives, he gives us everything. He gives us food. He gives us shelter. He gives us a yeshiva. He gives us a family. He gives us health. All he asks us to do is a couple of mitzvahs. We don't even have that many mitzvahs to do these days. Without the Beis HaMikdash, most of the mitzvahs of the Torah are not existent. The, the Chavetz Chaim wrote a sefer, a little sefer called Sefer Mitzvahs HaKatzer. It's the mitzvahs that are Negea nowadays. Very few. Dairaisas, how many dairaisas do we have today? Very few. Benching is a dairaisa. Uh, davening according to some sheet is a dairaisa. Learning Torah is a dairaisa. Tzitzah tzillin. But it's like you can count on a couple of hands how many mitzvahs we have today. A lot of derabonans we have and a lot of minhagim, but there's not so many real dairaisas that we get to do these days on a regular daily basis besides for anyam taivim, etc. But every mitzvah is an opportunity that we don't understand. It's, imagine if I would say, you know, eat a piece of marr and I'll give you a trillion dollars. Would anyone be saying, eh, I don't like marr, you know, you throw it under the table and whatever. I'm giving you a trillion dollars. Like, eat the marr. There's a story with Rav Shach. Rav Shach was once, uh, he used to collect a lot of money for Aniyam in Eretz Yisrael and um, for Bnei Taira that are Aniyam. And so somebody br- came from America and brought like a, a sack full of money, of cash that he collected to give to Rav Shach for, uh, for Aniyam Eretz Yisrael. So there was like, a, like piles, like straight out of like a cartoon, piles of cash like on Rav Shach's desk. Rav Shach was gonna, had a safe, he was going to put it in it, but like it didn't excite him. It was, you know, it was, it was money. It was like, okay, I mean, it's a mitzvah, of course, but it's, it wasn't exciting for him. It's like, okay, thank you. And then the person took out a special murrer, like from America, that, you know, you don't have to worry about this and about that. It was extra spite. Whatever it was, like a hidr de murrer from America. Like he brought it out from, in a plastic bag and Rav Shach, like, lunged at it. He, like, 
you know, he started like, like, wow, you got me Mara. Like he like pushed away the whole mo- like money wasn't interesting to him. Mara was interesting because for G'dayle Yisrael, like they, they, they understood what a mitzvah is. Obviously, the tzedakah was also a mitzvah, but just the money per se itself wasn't a chetz of the mitzvah. It was an ability to allow people to, to live and to, but the chetz of a mitzvah, the opportunity to, to, to have Mara and have a Hidu Dikamara, it's unbelievable. And that's such a, an amazing life. If we would be able to be those Yechidim, and it's Mamash Yechidim, we do it. We check the boxes. Right? We do, everyone lit their Hanukkah Neiris, and everybody will Amir Tashem be eating matzahs and Mara and, and Purim. They'll have your B'yaytzir Shalach Manas, B'yaytzir Suda, B'yaytzir your Matanas Avyanim. And you'll check every box throughout your life. Around the year, you can go and check every box. But that's very different than the person that's actually excited to do the mitzvah. You're not doing it to be yaitzik, I have to eat matzah, I have to eat mar, I have to, I have to blow here, here to Kiyah Shefer. There are people that do it that way. I think a lot of us might do it that way. Then there are people that they're mamish like excited. You ever met people like these? Like they're mamish excited about it. They don't just buy one esrig. They'll go and buy uh, an Eretz Yisraelic They'll buy a Moroccan esrig. They'll buy a Yanover esrig from Italy. And they'll buy uh, different types of Arabas, a few lulavim, a dairy lulavim, a this lulavim. They want to make sure to hop the mitzvah. When they daven, every word of Kriyashma is clear. and They're excited about it. It's a different world. A person that has Rizos, that's excited, he's vanquished his Yetzirah, or at least he's, he's, he's done his best to really put aside the Yetzirah. He wants to do the mitzvah. He wants to be a mitzvah of And then when we're not doing that, and we're, and we're sort of doing them, but we're not doing it with any feeling, with any emotion, that's sad. Because we're looking at it as a masa, we're looking at it as a burden. And we're not seeing it as the precious opportunity that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us. So the one remaining question that we have to just tackle is what do we do about it? Okay, granted, you know, if you're the guy that's in the column that you're super excited about mitzvahs and that they get you running, there's a guy this morning by davening and, you know, he came in, he was, he was running into davening. And I said, wow, that's Rizus. Jesus. He says, yeah, I'm a little late, but whatever. But he was running. He was running into davening. Do we ever run into davening? We're like, we're moseying along, we're happy that we made it. And, you know, he's running into davening, right? That's, a, that's, that's something. That's something to be said for. Do we do that? Do we run? Do we put an extra hither into our davening and into our learning and come in with a geschmack and excited? And do we do that? And if the answer is yes, then kalakovod, you should be sitting here. But if the answer is no or not yet, how do we get there? How do we become excited? How do we make something from being a masa from being a burden, to being the natural inclination of a person that wants to gain tremendous spiritual wealth, which is what we're doing every single time we're learning, every single time we're doing any mitzvah. So there's only one etzah that I know of, and it's brought in the Sefer HaChinuch, and it's brought in this week's parish, actually, and it's also brought in the Mesos Yisharim. And that is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a way to jumpstart our car. 
Because it's really the neshama that's like, you know, the neshama wants to do it, but it's not excited for some reason. It's dull, it's dead. And it doesn't have that charge. The battery is like, you know, it's, it's, it's at zero, came out, one. How do we get the battery back to 100? So the Chinuch writes on these mitzvahs of, of uh, you know, of of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, of and about all the mitzvahs that we do in order to inspire us to in Amunah and Bitachim, which is what Yitzhiz Mitzrayim is all about. He says, the one thing to do, sheha chitzainiyas ma'erer es hapnimiyas. The chitzainiyas has to be ma'erer the pnimius. The way to jumpstart our inner engine is by going through the motions as if you're excited. I don't like this expression as much, but like fake it till you make it. I don't love the expression because it sounds, fake sounds like it's not genuine. It is genuine. You really want to do it. Just it's hard to do it because the Yetzirah is, is stopping you from doing it. But if you go through the motions, if you... If, if we hit our snooze button 20 times, it's going to be really hard to get excited about davening. Let's say the first time our alarm goes, goes off, we jump out of bed, we wash Nagelwasser, we, uh, you know, we run to davening, we, op- we put on our tefillin with a gishmak. If you do that long enough, you're going to want to do it. If you come into the base marriage and you're like, oh, let me get a coffee, let me get a, uh, uh, you know, schmoozing or whatever, and let's open the Gemara. If it's schleppy, it's going to be like that the whole day. But let's see it say, today I'm going to come in and do it with a geschmack. I'm opening up my Gemara, I'm going to sing it, I'm going to dance it, I'm going to be into it. That act is not a fake. That's not, it might not be yet fully genuine, but it's what you want to be. And when you try to be what you want to be, the inside starts kicking in as well. We have to ignite that inner that inner spark. I had a Rebbe that once gave a great mushal. He said that in the olden days, they had like trains, but they didn't have all the electronics of trains, like stop signs by the tracks to know when another train is coming, so you should, you know, stop and go, or whatever. So they would have guys by the intersections of train tracks that would be holding lanterns. And, uh, and they were supposed to like wave the lanterns as they saw a train come to know if they should go left, if they should go right, if they should you know, stop, whatever it was. There was different signals that these, you know, that these train uh, traffic controllers were doing back in the day. And there was a very bad train accident. And they brought this guy on trial that was supposed to be holding this lantern at night and giving signals to the train conductor to what to do. And they asked him, did you uh, wave it this way? He says, yeah, I waved it that. Did you wave it that way? Yes. Were you Maila Mayur at Larbuck? Yes, I did everything. So they said, okay, then you're innocent. And they let him go. They were going to kill him because many people died in this train. And afterwards, he came home and he was like, he says, whew, that was a close one. He says, Baruch Hashem, they asked me every question, but they didn't ask me one question. Was the lantern lit? And that would be an answer that I couldn't answer. I forgot to light the I forgot to light the light inside of the lantern. I had a I went through all the motions, yes, but I didn't have the inner light. And that's what we are. We go through motions. We go through all of the motions of being a from yid. And we dress a certain way. We act a certain way. We don't go places. We do go places. We, we, you know, we're, we're, we're dancing and we're singing. But we don't feel it. Our, our neshama is off. The pilot light shuts off sometimes. 
especially in the middle of the winter, and it's, uh, you know, and we have to recharge it. We have to, how do we do it? How do we light, where, where's, the, where's the pilot that we light it? And the Chachmei Yisrael, the Tzadikim, they tell us that the way to light it is by going through the externals. By going through the external motion, that's the only way to turn on the pilot. If we're not feeling it yet, don't despair. Yes, the Yitzhahara is doing it. Yes, the Yitzhahara is very strong. He's trying to do everything that he can to stop it. But we have an option. We have some artillery in our arsenal that the Yitzhahara can't stop, and that is listening to Gedalim. And the Gedalim, the Chinuch, and the, and the Mesos Yisharim, and others, they are telling us the same thing, besignan achas, that if, we're, if we just do it, and we don't think so much, if we do it, eventually we'll feel it. If we come to Seder with the Geshemach, we'll feel it. We give tzedakah, even though it's like hard for us to part with the money. The moths are coming out of our wallet. But we, want, we, we go through the motion, we quickly give it, before we stop ourselves, we'll feel good. And eventually it's going to be easier to give. It's going to be easier to do chesed with people. It's going to be easier to mevakar chayla, easier to, be, to, to do any mitzvah that we find that we have difficulty it'll be much easier because we've gone through the external emotions. Ki'ilu. Ki'ilu we wanted to do it because we really do want it. It's not faking it. We do want to do it. Like the Rambam writes by, by Hilchus Gerishin, you know, that sometimes you're, you, you force a guy when he doesn't want to give a get, you're kaifen aisai You hit him until he says reitzani. Aye, but you're not supposed to give it balkarchai. A person shouldn't give a get balkarchai. You're not allowed to. A get, a get that's given against the guy's will is not a good. So by hitting him, isn't that making him, it's, it, it's making him, it's coercing him. It's, no. He says because a yid really wants to do the Ratzon Hashem. He wants to give the get. It's the time to give a get, you give a get. Why am I not giving? I have eight sorry. He says make your life, make your life impossible. Twist the knife a little bit. Don't make it easy. That's the eight sorrow. So when you hit the guy, and he gives the get now, that's really his true inner core coming, coming out. Because we all want to do the Ratzon Hashem. We all want to be that guy that's, into, that's super into the mitzvahs and super geschmack and geschmack to be a yid and always excitable, always interested, always running to do things and do things well and with a hider. We want to be that way. We, just, we're, we get lazy. The Yitzhahara makes us lethargic. So sometimes we have to be kaifais, we have to hit ourselves a little bit. We have to spur ourselves, prod ourselves to being that Eben Hashem, at least externally. I, I find myself, sometimes I'm not in the mood to daven. What do I do? I daven with a geshmak. I start, Baruch Atah Hashem, I shuckle a lot. Not for other people, for me. When you shuckle and you, and you say it a little bit, like with a geshmak, then suddenly something awakens in me, something stirs within me that I want to daven. And this is a trick that's baduk and menusa, it's tried and true every time it's tried. But you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to stop, you know, procrastinating and doing it the lazy way and doing it the slow way, doing it the, the lethargic way, the, the sleepy way, and wake yourself up, galvanize yourself, do the chitzainiyas. And when you do the chitzanias, then eventually you're going to light that inner lantern. The, the, the fire will go on, and then you'll automatically want to do things. It's, it's a slow process, maybe, but you'll find that you'll become that Ebed Hashem that you really, truly want to be if you just go and do it. Don't think so much. Don't allow the Yitzhara so much leeway, so much you know, living in your brain rent-free. Evict him. Do it. Go 
and do the mitzvah and just don't think so much and you'll find that after the mitzvah is done, wow, you feel amazing and you're proud of yourself. Then that's going to inspire you to do it more and better and then you'll be a, a God will be so. Have a beautiful Shabbos.